Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Our teaching today is two kings, two outcomes. All right. That's mm. good. That's good. Two kings and two outcomes. Saul, if you're familiar with the Old Testament, King Saul is an example of a man who was not healed from wounds deep in his heart. Yeah. Now, this teaching today is going to be surgery. That's yeah. good. Okay. All right. This is not going to be a happy, 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 I am blessed and happy. This is going to be surgery. All right. Everybody ready for surgery? Yeah. We'll, we'll do a little anesthetic along the way if it gets painful. Yeah. Uh, when you, when, a, when you ever hear a teacher is going to do something painful, the anesthetic is when they say a joke. Yes. <laughs> and then while you're laughing, you don't realize he's cutting into you. Okay. Saul is an example of a man who was not healed from wounds deep in his heart. David, on the other hand, these are both kings of Israel. David, on the other hand, also grew up with deep rejection and wounds, but had a very, very different destiny. And by the time we finish in a half hour, I want to ask you which one you're going to be, yeah. a Saul or a David. Yeah. I have a lot of scripture we're going to put up on screen, and I've condensed all this. So just in case you whip out your Bible and you say, he left out whole sentences, um, I've left out whole sentences. And uh, I've done it on purpose just to, to, to try to save us a little bit of time. But you can read the whole chapter off your devices or your Bible, okay? Yeah. In Samuel chapter 9... Verse 17, the word of God says, when Samuel saw Saul, say that three times fast, <laughs> when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said, that's the man I told you about. He will rule my people. Mm -hmm. That's good. Aren't you glad God just kind of talks that way to people? Yeah. Verse 21, Saul replied, but I'm only from the tribe of Benjamin. The smallest tribe in Israel, smallest is an important word, and my family is the least important of all the families of that tribe. These two words are key. Mm -hmm. Smallest, I looked these up in the original Hebrew, that's the Old Testament language. Smallest means to cut off, to detest, to be grieved, or to loathe yourself. Now, you think of how Saul has just described him and his family. Good. If you think that sounds crazy, you should have been in the ministry for 30 years and done counseling. Sure. Yeah. Because a lot of people describe themselves that way. I, I've been cut off. I'm detested. Uh, I'm in perpetual grief. My life didn't turn out the way I hoped it would. I'm on my third marriage. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm on my fifth job. I tried college. That didn't work. I tried this career. That didn't work. And they loathe themselves. This was Saul's thinking. Okay? Everything in the Word of God concerning our changes is predictive to our thinking. That's it. That's it. You can predict the way a person's going to go, the way their life's going to go based on their thinking. Yeah. If, you do a, if you do a search on thinking in the Bible, the, the word thinking, thoughts, mind, soul, soul is wrapped up in your thinking. There is unquestionable evidence in the Bible that as we think, we become. If we think fearful, we live fearful. If we think negative, we end up negative. If we think failure, we end up failures. Uh, it, that's not new age. That's not taking anything away from Christ. He gave us our brains and he gave us our mouths and he said these two things work together. Right. What you think you say and what you say you become. Right. That's right. Okay? That's okay. good. So here's Saul. He said, I am detested, grieved, and I loathe myself. 
in effect. And he said that his family was the least important. That word least literally means no value. Mm -hmm. wow. 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 Okay, keep this in mind now. This is Saul's mindset. This is how he sees himself. So 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 1. Then Samuel, he's the prophet, he took olive oil and poured it over Saul's head, and he kissed Saul. That's, that's a sign of covenant. <clears throat> he kissed Saul and said, I'm doing this because the Lord has appointed you to be the ruler over Israel, his, God's, special possession. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a pretty powerful word. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Verse 9. And as Saul started to leave, God gave him a new heart. Mm -hmm. So there's something supernatural happening with Saul. Right. Yeah. Okay? Sure. The prophet shows up out of nowhere. He said, you are going to be the king. God said that you are his special possession. God deeply, deeply loves you. And then something happens in Saul's heart. Mm -hmm. Verse 20 and 21. So Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel before the Lord, and the tribe of Benjamin was chosen. Then he brought each family of the tribe of Benjamin before the Lord, and finally Saul was chosen from among them. But when they looked for him, he had disappeared. Okay? Mm -hmm. This is going to be important. Mm -hmm. Verse 22, we pick it up. So they asked the Lord, where is he? And the Lord replied, he's hiding among, among the baggage. So they found him and brought him out, and he stood head and shoulders above anyone else. Yeah. He was the Shaq O'Neal <laughs> of Israel. Yeah. Okay, could not mistake him. Yeah. Yeah. Then Samuel said to all the people, this is the man the Lord has chosen as your king. No one in all Israel is like him. Mm -hmm. And all the people shouted, long live the king. Mm -hmm. Verse 26. When Saul returned to his home, a group of men whose hearts God had touched went with him. But, verse 27, there were some scoundrels who complained, how can this man save us? And they scorned him and refused to bring him gifts, but Saul ignored them. Now that sounds humble, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. But it wasn't. Mm -hmm. Saul knew he was chosen to be king. The prophet, uh, the prophet Samuel, if you study his life, this is no lightweight. Right. Okay? Right. Um, <clears throat> there's references when he would come into the city and everyone would wet their pants. Yeah. <laughs> when, when he walked into a city, people all of a sudden got really sober, really careful, turned off the TV, threw away the stuff, and they just said, you know, are, are, are we okay here? Is, is, is God upset with us? Samuel carried a lot of spiritual authority. Right. Now, this Samuel picked him out and publicly anointed him with oil, kissed his face and said, you are the next king of Israel. And then we see Saul hiding amongst the luggage. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Why? I think it was because his rejection issues and his insecurities caused him to hide. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. Right. Now, on the surface, that looks like humility, but it isn't humble to ignore a God-given promotion that was never sought out. Mm. Mm. True humility embraces promotion and favor as a responsibility given by God right. and to be stewarded for His glory. Mm -hmm. That's good. 
Uh, you, you know, I, I was talking to uh, a friend the other day. This issue came up. You, you do not need to try to position yourself in the right place and in front of the right people to get your promotion. Mm. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. This is real important. Yeah. Okay? God tells you you're going to be a uh, whatever, you know. He, he gives you some type of a future vision of your career and or your calling. The first thing that we tend to do is we start trying to figure out, okay, so let, let's, I'm just making one up, but let's say you're called to the political field. God says, I, I want you to be involved in politics. What your flesh will try to do is figure out, where in the city do all the politicians eat lunch? Yeah. And then I'll make sure that I'm eating lunch where all the politicians eat lunch. Uh, what are the organizations? What, what gyms do the politicians go work out at so I can work out and, and just go, oh, hey, nice to meet you, and all that kind of stuff. Do you know that when God gives you a calling, you don't have to try to position yourself any more than David did? When David, which we're going to go into in a moment, when David was, was called to be the king, he was out in the pasture with sheep. Yeah. Right. All David had to do to position himself for promotion was be obedient to his father. Yeah, that's right. That's good. That's good. That's good. All his dad, his earthly dad, it's a, it's a symbol of his heavenly father. All he had to do was his dad said, would you go out and I've got 300 goats on the hill and make sure that wolves don't eat them for lunch. And David said, okay. And when he's out doing his thing, yeah. obedient, stewarding his calling as a shepherd, God steps in and promotes him. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's good. There's a verse that says, all promotion comes from above. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Listen, every time I have ever tried to promote myself, it's ended in disaster. <laughs> every, every single time. When God promotes you, something happens. Yeah. Let the Lord do it. Let him align your steps. That's right. So what happened to this insecure, rejected King Saul? I'm talking about his heart being insecure and rejected. Here, here's the end game for Saul. He ended his life consulting witches rather than God. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. The last chapter of his life is such a tragedy to read. Right. He ends up going into some little creepy hut somewhere where there's literally a witch, some lady who, yeah. who you know, does seance, is trying to talk to dead people and dead spirits and all this kind of crazy stuff. And he's in there asking this witch, so what do you think is going to happen with my life? And, and here's Almighty God, there's the one who called him to be the king, anointed and commissioned him to do whatever his career was, and instead of speaking to God, now he's talking to witches. Yeah, wow. Well, it's true. Some of us, we don't talk to witches, we just keep talking to people. Mm -hmm. Quit talking to people, too. Uh, if you're at a crossroads, if you need a breakthrough, if you're at some kind of a, of, of a situation in your life where you're just hitting against a wall, don't ask 15 people for advice until you've just sat down first and asked God for advice. Yeah, that's right. If you get attacked, there's two responses. Attack back or be quiet. Mm -hmm. and, and, and there's biblical evidence to do both of those things, but you better do the right one. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the Lord says, you fight back and I'll give you victory. And sometimes the Lord says, you just close your mouth and sit down and trust me and I'm going to make it all okay. Now you, can, you ask 15 people, you're going to get 15 different opinions. 
Right. They may be good opinions, but it's still 15 different opinions. You ask God, he'll tell you what to do. Yes, that's good. Saul, he tried to kill, at the end of his life, he tried to kill anyone who showed anointing. Yeah. Very true. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, the, uh, the greatest sign of insecurity is whenever you see someone in your field doing well, you want to eliminate them. Yeah. A secure heart doesn't eliminate competition. Right, right. When injured in battle, Saul commits suicide instead of asking for healing and for help. Very true. Wow. Mm -hmm. So we see Saul's life ending in oppression, rejection, and the death of everything he knew and everything he loved. Yeah. So that was one king. Now let's look at a second king, King David. David also is an example of a rejected man who fulfilled his destiny by being healed in his heart from rejection and insecurity. Right. Okay? Yeah. Now, when, when we think of King David, we think of the writer of the Psalms, we think of the greatest king over all of Israel, the father of, of uh, Solomon. You know, you know, we think of all these huge exploits that David did. If you study David's life at the beginning of his life, he was just exactly like Saul. He was insecure, and he carried a rejection thing in his heart. Okay, so let's look at the second king. <clears throat> in 1 Samuel chapter 16, we're going to go through most of that, that chapter, but I'm going to condense it way down, okay? 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 1, the Lord said to Samuel, you have mourned long enough for Saul. I've rejected him as king of Israel. Find a man named Jesse there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. Verse 6. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab, this is David's brother, and thought, now this is the prophet, the man of God, this is the seer, S-E-E-R, he sees into the future. Yeah. Samuel said, surely this is the Lord's anointed. <clears throat> So he whips out his oil and he puckers up for the kiss, right? <laughs> He's ready to do what he did for uh, Saul. Yeah. Verse 7, but the Lord said, don't judge by his appearance, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I, I ran out this morning right before we taped this and I got some uh, coffee and I was at this little cafe and there's a man sitting there uh, a, a little ways away from me and I've seen him about a half a dozen times and he's on some type of medication. Okay, so the entire time I'm in, in the little restaurant, he's got his cup of coffee and he does this. And he sits and talks to himself out loud. Blah, 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 blah. And you see people walk around him. That's not how God judges. And I, and I recognized him. You, you can't forget someone like that, right? The, the, there's odd behavior, it scares people. And I walked up to him and I slapped him on the back and I said, I haven't seen you for weeks, how you doing? And he just acted just completely at peace. He said, hey, nice to see you too. Start talking to me, so kind, so intelligent. He said, I haven't seen you either. And I said, I saw you at such and such a place a few weeks ago, and yeah, yeah, nice to see you. And so we sat and chatted for a minute, and I sat down to, uh, to, to study and drink my coffee, and I look over, he's talking to himself, and he's shaking like that again. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I <clears throat> wonder how many people yep. look at this guy and have written him off as crazy. Yeah. yeah. 
And so I got up to leave, and he saw me get up, and he said, hey, have a really good day. Nice to see you again. That's awesome. I, I don't get talked to that nicely by most pastors. <laughs> God said, don't judge by outward appearance. God is looking at the heart. Yeah. Verse 8, then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward. But Samuel said, nope, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Hmm. Verse 9, next Jesse summons Shimea. But Samuel said, nope, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. All seven, seven out of seven mm -hmm. of Jesse's sons were presented before this prophet Samuel. And the prophet said, nope, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Now, these guys were awesome. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Verse 11. So Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? Hmm. There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and the goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him, and he was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. So as David stood among his brothers, Samuel took the oil and anointed David, and the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. This is, this is pretty, pretty amazing stuff. Okay? All these seven brothers are dressed nice. They've got on their vests and their suits, and they brush their teeth, and they've combed their hair, and they're looking awesome, and they're lined up ready to be anointed because they look like king potential. Yeah, yeah. And David comes flying in from the field. Now, I was raised on a farm, okay? If he was out watching the sheep and the goats, it means he was not dressed like this. Right. He had on work clothes. Uh -huh. He smelled. Have you been around goats? <laughs> they're, they're not like pampered poodles. Uh, most goats, especially male goats, they stink. Horrible. So David comes running in. He stinks. He's got manure on his shoes. He's got nasty work clothes on. He comes in. He's just as handsome in the other, as the other guys. But there's something, there's something about David that God said, I can see past his rejection. I can see past his insecurity, yeah. just like he can see past yours and mine. Right, right. That's good. Yeah, that's good. that's good. I was the poster child of insecurity and rejection. Have you ever been rejected in life? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Have you ever been the guy that when they all pick the, the basketball team, you're the one still standing there? And finally some guy says, you can have him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you ever been the one that gets straight C's? <laughs> Everybody's so proud of the fact you got straight C's, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Re rejection usually precedes promotion, by the way. That's wow. good. That's very good. Wow. Yeah. Okay. We, we think, uh, watch my hand, we think you start here and you have a destiny here mm -hmm. and we go like this. Mm -hmm. No. We start here, 
we get a taste of victory and we go in the toilet. <laughs> and then we get a little bit of wisdom and then we get hit. And then we get a little progress and then we take a big blow. And we do get to our destiny, but it's not a straight line. It's circles. It's up and down and up and down and up and down and up. Those things are very, very important for our character. Yes. Okay? God is doing something on the inside. Before we can ever help anybody on the outside, you have to have the inside changed. Yeah. That's good. That's very good. So, now David is anointed king in front of his dad and his father, right? Mm -hmm. yes. He's anointed king in front of his brothers. Uh -huh. But he wasn't commissioned for decades. Right. There's a difference. There's a difference. Mm. Okay? Sometimes God will tell you something amazing that he plans to fulfill in 20 years. That's so true. Yes. That's right. Yeah. Don't you just want to punch somebody? <laughs> uh, if the Lord's going to tell you something, get her done. But that's not how he does it. Many times he will say something that seems so exciting and so thrilling. Some prophet will come and speak a word over you and you'll think that's exactly what I just heard. And then God stands back and he says, now this process from the word to the fulfillment will take two decades. 20 years later, you will be big enough on the inside to handle the weight of the good stuff on the outside. Yeah. But it's going to take 20 years. Yeah. Now those 20 years aren't wasted because you get 20 years to love God yeah. and to be loved back yeah. and to get healed. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. 1 Samuel 17. Everybody still with me? Yes. yes. Verse 28. <coughs> when Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Mm -hmm. Now, this is really, really important, okay? 1 Samuel 17 is the story of David and Goliath. Israel and the Philistines, they're having a conflict, and they're in a standoff. So there's this valley there. Here's the Philistines. Here's Israel, and neither will go forward. The Philistines were shouting at Israel. You've got to read the whole story. It's brilliant. The Philistines are shouting at Israel, and they said, I tell you what, you just pick out one warrior to fight one of our warriors. Whoever wins gets the land. Well, the, the loser goes home and defeat as slaves. And the Bible says day after day after day after day after day, it was like 30 or 40 days, Israel, the army, they'd all march out, stand amongst the giants, the Philistines, the Goliaths, and they'd all just sit and stare at each other. Yeah. And the Philistines would say, come on, come on, bring it on. And Israel would finally just retreat and go back and say, we can't do this. These guys are humongous. Yeah. Can't do it. Okay? So David, who is still a shepherd, he's been anointed king, but he's still just doing what he's been called to do today. David goes to this battle and he's asking around. He says, so what's, what's going on here? Why, why are we still here? Why, why, is, why isn't anybody fighting? And if you read the whole chapter, David's heart felt offended for God. He felt like the Philistines were basically saying, your God is a joke or else you could attack us and beat us. And the, and, the, and the army, including David's brothers who were in the army, are scared of Goliath. Yeah. So David says, you know what? I'll take him out. Yeah. 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 And here's the brother saying, I know how conceited you are. I know how wicked you are. 
Okay, so let's look up that word wicked because Eliab called David wicked. Wicked means broken to pieces and good for nothing. Wow. Yeah. Uh, listen, no jokes. Some people have been called this by their parents. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, that's true. Some of you watching have had parents or relatives or brothers or sisters say, you know what, you're just good for nothing. Wow, yeah. Those word curses can go deep into your soul yeah. and screw you up for the rest of your life yeah. if Jesus does not heal those curses. Yes, that's the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Here's Eliab. Oh my goodness. This guy is scared to death of Goliath. And when his little brother comes up and says, let me take a shot at him, he says, you are just good for nothing and you're broken to pieces. Wow. Now, this Eliab was the same brother that saw Samuel pour oil on David's head and kiss his face and say, God Almighty has anointed you to be the next king of Israel. Mm -hmm. Eliab saw this. Okay? Yeah. What, what is going on in David's heart? There, there's, there's a few clues in Scripture. Okay? Psalm 27.10, in the message version of the Bible, Psalm 27.10, speaking about David, the Bible says, My father and mother walked out and left me, but God took me in. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah. That's now, now, does that literally mean they went down to the local mall and as soon as little David was looking at the toys, they ran away and, and left him in the toy aisle? Um, I, I don't think so. I think David was talking about the, the condition of his heart. Yeah. David said, when, when my parents were rooting for my brothers to get good grades, I was watching sheep. Yeah. When my parents would sit at the table and pray that God would send the right wives for my brothers, I was out watching sheep. Yeah. When the uh, principal came to talk about the chances for going to college to my brothers, I was out watching sheep. Mm -hmm. This is what I think David was talking about. Yeah. Psalm 51.5, speaking about David, again says, I was brought forth in iniquity. Mm -hmm. My mother was sinful who conceived me. The word iniquity is a word for sin, but it's a specific word that usually involves sex sins. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What is David saying? I don't know. Although he says his birth, his conception was surrounded with the controversy. Mm. Now, think about this. I, I'm not trying to suggest that David's mom committed adultery. I'm not suggesting that. But I am saying there's something a little suspicious here that all the seven brothers get doted on and loved on and get, get uh, pushed forward to try to be promoted. They're all in the military. They're all awesome. And then here's David. He's always out watching sheep. Yeah. He's always out on the pasture away from the family. Right. There, there, there is, it, it does appear that there is something going on. You know what? If you were not planned... Mm. listen to me okay because sometimes parents will share this 
parents, please don't share this. Sometimes parents will share this. You, you'll grow up and they'll say, you know, you weren't planned. We, we wanted three kids and you're number four and we really weren't planning you. But, you know, thank God you're here anyway. Um, <laughs> thank God you're here. That's like putting a parenthesis around your life. Um, oh, well. That's like just saying, oh, well, here you are. So let's just make the best of it. Uh, maybe that's what happened with David. But I've talked to so many people that parents joking, not meaning anything hurtful by it, have made comments to their kids and they'll say, well, you were, you, there, there's even a phrase like when you're a little bit older and you get pregnant again, there's a phrase, I can't think of it right now, but there's this phrase where they'll say, you know, um, I was 42 when you were born and we sure weren't planning that and we didn't even think we could have kids anymore and boom, here you were. What? A, surprise. A, a, surprise, a surprise pregnancy, you know, they, they have all these terms for that. It, it could be that this is what happened with David and this thing got put in his heart. Yeah. Okay? Because there's something going on, something going on. How did David deal with his rejection and his insecurities? Yeah. Let's look at this in Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? Yeah. The Lord is my fortress. That's a castle. Mm -hmm. Protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Yeah. Do you notice how many times he refers to fear? Yeah. Yeah. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek the most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord. By the way, this doesn't mean go to church seven days a week. Uh -huh. yeah. The house of the Lord, it's, it's in reference to a communion with God. Mm -hmm. it's, it's having a, a, a living, breathing relationship with Jesus. Then, then, after delighting in the Lord, I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices of shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. Ryan, can you come and, and, and play? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap this up. I want everybody to listen very care carefully as I wrap this up. David found his healing his acceptance in Christ and Christ alone. Yeah. yeah. Got it? Yeah. That's it. Folks, listen. David did not sit down and have a big confrontation with his mom and dad. He didn't say, I don't know what fishy circumstances surrounded my birth, but I haven't been treated well. I've got offenses, so now let's just sit down and we're going to talk this out until I feel okay and you feel okay and everything's on the table. David didn't do that. He, the Bible says that he went into worship, he praised the Lord, he believed that God had the, uh, the, 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 the last word, God had the ability to fix his future, his destiny, to fulfill why he was put on this earth. David put attention to worship and the word. Yeah. And by giving thanks, it caused David's insecurity to dissolve and it opened the doors to his destiny. Yes. I want you to listen very carefully. I'm going to say some important things as we close. The worst thing about rejection is that it can cause us to be defensive 
stop learning and stop reaching out to relationships that can heal us. There is something so hurtful in the soul of people who, are, who have a rejection issue that they basically put a little wall around themselves because they don't want to get hurt anymore. And when they put that wall around, outside people cannot touch them and heal them. And that's how you get healed. God typically doesn't come down in a cloud and a shadow and, and, and just do something tangible in your bedroom when you pray for healing. Usually when you ask God for healing, he brings people into your life that carry his presence, that carry his word. And those people through his power are the ones that are going to bring security and heal that rejection that may be in you. The, un, the unhealed hurts in a five-year-old heart can still be very much alive at 55. Oh, yeah. Listen, you don't outgrow rejection. Yeah, that's right. You don't just get older and then just shrug your shoulders and say, that was stupid to let that thing hurt me. Rejection is a spirit. There's something alive, there's something tangible and, and touchable about rejection. When rejection jumps on a person through their life circumstances, it doesn't just go away because you can think adult thoughts. It actually grows up with you and begins to change the way you see life. Exactly. Yes, that's right. That's right. Most insecure, rejected people were raised by insecure and rejected parents. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you know that, then you can forgive them. Okay? You can break this cycle. Yeah. You, you, you show me somebody who's got huge insecurity issues, and I guarantee that their father or their mother have issues out the door. They've got something going on that they transferred that to their kids when their kids were growing up. So listen here very, very, very carefully. Your father or your mother's rejection was due to their own pain. It was not your unworthiness. That's good. Yeah. You get that in your heart, friend. Okay? If you kind of walk around thinking, if I could only work harder, if I could only look, look smarter, if I could only dress sharper, if I only had a better house, a better income, a better this and a better that, if you are on that treadmill, striving, striving, pushing, striving, pushing, you need to understand some of the garbage that your parents put on you, perhaps. I'm not, I'm not meaning to be ugly about your parents, okay? Our parents did the best they could. Yeah. If your parents were monsters, the truth is they did the best they could because probably their parents were monsters. Right. If your parents were awesome, they did the best they could because their parents were awesome. Right. All right? You need to understand and settle in your heart. You were not unworthy, which is why you experienced some rejection. Yes. You were not unworthy. Good. Okay? The Lord said when he made you, when he created you, there's multiple verses that said when you were in your mother's womb, God was smiling, God was pleased. God said, I am knitting your personality together exactly the way I wanted it. I put you in that home with those people on purpose. You were not an accident. You didn't just have bad luck and ended up in a crummy home. God said, I put you in that home to be raised by those people on purpose. Because he saw the day when Jesus Christ 
overtaking your personality was going to cause you to change your family tree forever. Forever. Your relatives will be changed. Your future relatives, your future in-laws, your future children, everybody will be changed because of the power of Christ in you. And he trusted you. Friends, listen. This is so important. When God looked at a dysfunctional, broken family filled with rejection and junk, okay, God foresaw you and he said, if I put you in that house, you will change the eternity of that entire family tree. If you're adopted, God said, I picked you out of millions and millions of people. I picked you out to be involved in this family so that you could affect an entire future generation in that family tree. There's no accidents, friend. And you don't go through life feeling unworthy. You don't go through life trying to push your way through this stuff. You go through life like David. Saul ends up committing suicide. David ends up the most beloved king of, of, of all of Israel for all of time in history. And the difference was David just said, you know what? I'm just going to go before the house of God, love him, worship him, sing, trust him. God's in control. My dad's not in control. My, my nutty brother, Eliab, he doesn't know what's going on. Uh, God's in control. And as long as I keep breathing, drinking, sleeping, eating Jesus, the, the, the truth is I will be changed. And, and as I am changed, I will change everybody in my life. Really good. Amen. Amen. Psalm 65 says, though you were overwhelmed by sin, you forgave them all. You faithfully answer our prayers with awesome deeds because you are the hope of everyone on earth. Yes. Yes. No need to be hopeless today, my friend. Right. <laughs> no, nope. Your destiny is to be like King David, not like King Saul. Uh -huh. You'll be healed. You'll be whole. It will be amazing. Yes. Amen. Amen. Let me